How's that? Are we on? Okay. Thank you so much. Is it coming through? It doesn't feel okay. Good, good, good. Well, good morning. So good to be with you again. I remember with great fondness all of my times being here, and perhaps I can channel the Apostle Paul a little bit and just say, you know, your love as a body and your works are known throughout the land. Um, you know, I get it mostly from my relationship with Pastor Nick, but just the different ways that you're serving Jesus, the way that you're loving your community, uh, it, it, they have reverberations all over um, the North Country for sure, but for the rest of the state and the rest of New England. So thank you. Thank you for how you are walking biblically, trying to love Jesus. You do love him and to love those who don't know him yet. You do that, and it's um, effective. And a part of that, of course, is because you're so well-shepherded. I really appreciate Pastor Nick um, and how he shepherds you. He's got a shepherd's heart. And when I think about uh, the prophets, so many of the Old Testament prophets, God's biggest concern was the shepherds aren't shepherding well. You know, their hearts aren't in line with me. Well, that is certainly not the case here. You have a shepherd who loves God and who loves you very much in Pastor Nick, and I know the other leaders and, and your team, so thank you. It's really an honor to be here. It's, it's just fun to be in this house. So, yeah, <laughs> here we are. Uh, thanks for that intro, and yeah, my, you know, for whatever reason, I would never have thought it. You know, when I was growing up, I really thought that God would have me overseas. Um, I had a particular heart for French-speaking North Africa. I assumed that's where I was headed. But in God's sense of humor, he has me investing in the American political sphere. Praise the Lord. <laughs> and of course, here in New Hampshire, we're no stranger to uh, the political climate or the polit political world. You know, retail politics is just what we do here in New Hampshire. And while we have this first in the nation status, you know, we've, we've, it's in the news all the time. And even this last week, we had several city elections, several, I don't know, if, did Littleton have elections this last Tuesday? I don't know. Okay, a lot of municipalities in New Hampshire, you know, including uh, the city of Manchester, the city of Nashua, they elected new mayors, uh, or re-elected re in Nashua, elected new mayor in Manchester. And of course, in the presidential cycle, we're, we're quite um, awash in politics. And um, you know, it's just so funny, this is not an endorsement, but because I got to know Vivek before he ever, Vivek Ramaswamy, before he ever uh, announced his, his presidential campaign, he was here in New Hampshire visiting, visiting ahead of it, and you know, he's, he's a, um, He's a guy I can text and say, how's it going? You know, what's going on here? And um, I'm happy to report to you that he is open to God's word. You know, obviously he is uh, publicly and avowedly a Hindu, but um, we've had time in the word together and he's not resisted. He's actually done the opposite. He's been quite hungry. I don't know how much that is political expediency. I can't judge his heart, but just, just to give you an idea that it's only in New Hampshire, a country of 330, 300, 30 million people, our little 1.389 million people, you know, someone like little old me can, can have this kind of relationship with people who are seeking the highest office in the land. It's just what we have in New Hampshire. So of course, the question that I bring to us today and that we want to bring to the scripture is, what can we believe for in the political realm? You know, what is God doing? Does God care about civic government? If so, um, how should we be thinking about it? What should we believe for that. Uh, it's, it's created so much division in our country. Um, what's God doing? You know, where's God's kingdom in the midst of all the chaos? That's what we're coming to uh, with God's word this morning. So let's just pray again, and then we'll get right into it. <clears throat> Father, thank you again for your stamp of affirmation on this church. 
I think back to your words in Revelation, both your critiques and your encouragements to the seven churches in Revelation. And I know that Pastor Nick and the team are probably aware of growth places, places of critique. Uh, but Father, really, in, in the spirit of the Lord, I, I just want to bring your stamp of affirmation. This is a church that shares the gospel, that lives the gospel, that is seeking the way of Jesus. And they're doing so in their personal walks with you, and they're doing so in how they publicly proclaim you. Thank you for that. And I pray that this church would sense the pleasure of the Father this morning. And as Pastor Nick has already prayed, Lord, we need your word. It's your word that judges us, not us who judge the word. So, uh, Lord, give us grace now as we dig into your word, that which is of the spirit of God, let it remain, and that which is just human cleverness or my flesh, God, let that pass away. We need you. You are the life. You're the way. You're the truth. Jesus, we choose to abide in you this morning, and we want to hear what the spirit of God is saying to us, what Jesus is saying to us, what the spirit of God is saying to his church today. So we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, certainly a framework that I always operate from is from the Old Testament stories of old. We've got people, heroes like Joseph, like Esther, like Daniel, that God raises up. And it's just amazing, I believe, that so early in the biblical narrative, God highlights what he wants to do through the civic leaders of the time, through some of these Old Testament heroes. And so today I want to look a little bit at the Joseph story. Again, we're coming to the question, Lord, in the midst of this chaos in our country, what can we believe for? What is your kingdom template for what you want to do? And of course, what's so beautiful about the Joseph story, I'm talking about from the line of patriarchs. You know, God decided that he wanted to help us after we rejected him. After Adam and Eve's rejection of him, God had to initiate his redemptive plan. He begins by doing a whole reset with Noah, and then he sets apart Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, who wrestles with God and gains the name Israel, one who wrestles with God. And then we get to Joseph, one of uh, Jacob's sons. And so early in the biblical narrative, you know, almost the whole back half of Genesis is on the Joseph story. Why is it that God has put that template so, e so early in the whole redemptive story? What are we to learn and gain from it? And so I want to look at a few things. And the overarching idea here is that oftentimes we can feel, although New Hampshire, again, this is a little bit different for us, but we can feel like political stuff is out there. You know, There's nothing I can do about it. I don't know about you, but I often feel powerless, even in a state like New Hampshire. Even in my own local town, I just feel like, Lord, there's forces at work. What am I to do? It, at times, it's a cause for despair and despondency. But God, you're always on the move. And what is it that you're trying to do? And I want to look at the Joseph story. And my suggestion today is that actually our own journeys with God have everything to do with what he's wanting to do in the government realm. Our personal paths with God have everything to do with what he wants to do in the political realm. So we look at Joseph, and I first want to look at the fact that how does God prepare Joseph? And I would suggest that God is preparing you and me. And actually, it's those very places where God has his thumb on his heart that to the degree that we respond well to him is the degree that we are going to make sense in the government sphere, the political sphere of our world. Did you catch that? 
the, to the degree that we are responding to God's preparation of our own souls. He is, he is dead set on us being conformed to the image of Christ, to the degree that we are cooperating with the Holy Spirit in that is really the degree to which we can operate successfully in the kingdoms of this world. We conform to God's kingdom, and that gives us the capacity to conform or to influence the kingdoms of this world. And so we see Genesis 37 to 40 is all about God's preparation of the person Joseph. I begin with the idea that the dream is real. The young man has a dream. It's a little bit offensive to his parents and to his brothers because it sounds a little bit arrogant, but the dream is real. And before we even look at that text, let me just say this. I believe that there's a dream in your heart, in my heart. There are dreams there, and they are real. I imagine a time when this country is not so divided. I imagine a time when we can return to actually talking about issues and not being affected by the soundbite culture, the gotcha spirit that is the political spirit that I think you already looked at sometime in the last few years when you looked at Luke 20 and um, when uh, the Pharisees totally in the gotcha spirit were trying to catch Jesus. Do we pay taxes to Caesar or not? Are you Republican or Democrat, Jesus? Tell us. And he has a brilliant response, you know, really neither. What dreams do you have? I dream that in this state, adoption and foster care, that department doesn't even need to exist in our state because the church is so involved in adoption and foster care. The addiction crisis. I dream of a state where resources are such that people who want to get out of bondage can easily get out of bondage because the church is there with the power of Christ and with wisdom. I dream of a state where we have responsible immigration policy, but according to the heart of God, we're welcoming those. We're welcoming the alien, but in a fruitful way. Do you know what I'm saying? And of course, there's so much in the news today about the northern border, which you are so close to. These are just some of the things I dream of when I dream about New Hampshire. What are you dreaming for for the Granite State? How about a place where... People like my daughter, my 12-year-old daughter is with us today, but 10 years from now, will she be able to afford housing or energy in New Hampshire? Right now, it's not that likely. But I dream of a state where we have a responsible path for young people to have home ownership, and it's actually possible. Are you with me? So the dream is real. Probably some of these things that you dream about, they are true. They are from God. How did it, how did it go in the Genesis narrative? Let me read from Genesis 37. This is 9, 10, 11. Joseph had another dream. He told it to his brothers. Look, he said, I had another dream. Isn't it great? This time the sun, the moon, the 11 stars were bowing down to me. Uh, So he told his father and brothers. His father rebuked him. What kind of dream is this that you've had, son? A little bit weird, he said. Sorry, that is not in the scripture. That's me. (laughs) Am I and your mother and your brothers really going to come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. And you know who are parents. You understand each of your children. You see their personalities developing. You see their callings in their infant form and how God's drawing them about. I think uh, Jacob had the same sort of thought. This is kind of my favorite son. You know, I had him here in old age, and God's got a plan for him. Not like he doesn't for my other sons and daughters, too. But hmm, let me just keep this matter in mind. But the power to see these dreams come forth is all connected to how we respond to God's character development in our lives. And so Joseph, because the degree of responsibility is going to be so high, 
God's got to make sure that his character is really worked through. I would say the same is for you and me. God wants to bestow responsibility upon you and me. God wants to give us. He has already given us gifts. He wants to uh, share even more gifts with you and me. But our character has to be able to withhold the gifts that God gives us. We are all too painfully aware, both within and without of the body of Christ, when someone with great responsibility doesn't have the character to match it, the results are usually disastrous, right? So, incredible circumstances. God's working on Joseph, and the first thing that happens is he is betrayed by his own family, sold into slavery, Genesis 37. 20 and, uh, and then 36. When Midianite traders passed by, his brothers pulled Joseph out of the pit they'd thrown him into, sold him for 20 pieces of silver to the Ishmaelites who took Joseph to Egypt. A few verses later, meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh and the captain of the guards. Joseph, like King David, like Jesus after him, goes through some incredible trial so that God's character can be worked in them, right? What does Hebrew say about Jesus? He learned obedience through what? Through some good seminars? He learned obedience through suffering. What makes you and I think it'll be any different? God's not the author of suffering. He's allowed it in this fallen world. And the end result is us being more clean for God to use for his purposes. Do you know the sting of personal betrayal? I think most of us do in our families, our workplaces. There's at some point where we've gotten stung. Are we bitter or are we better? Are we working it through with the Lord or are we stuck in bitterness? Those are our choices. Next, Joseph gets unjustly accused. You know the story. He's in Potiphar's household, rises up in responsibility. Potiphar's wife falsely accuses him. Genesis 39, 19. When his master, Potiphar, heard the story his wife told him, these are the things your slave did to me, she had said, he was furious and had Joseph thrown into prison where the king's prisoners were confined. So Joseph was there in prison. Totally falsely accused. Do you know the pain of being falsely accused? Do you know the sting of when someone assumes motives of you that were not the motives that you actually had? It's tough, isn't it? This is all part of God's preparation. And as I'm suggesting, God's preparation is so that in the public sphere, including the government sphere, we can be clean vessels for God purposes. God's purposes. Jesus, of course, was falsely accused by the Pharisees, misunderstood in his destiny. His identity was misunderstood by most of the people most of the time. You think we have it bad? Just think, Jesus' closest buddies, 1, 3, and 12, most of them misunderstood who he was most of the time while he was alive on earth. That's a bummer, isn't it? I don't think we have it that bad. Joseph, Jesus, they're examples for us. Have you been forgotten by your friends? That's what happens next in the Joseph story. Fast forward, remember, he's in prison now. Uh, he's got this gift. He can interpret dreams. He uh, interprets dreams for the chief baker. And uh, for the cupbearer, says, hey, guys, when you get out, uh, um, don't forget about me. I'm pretty gifted. <laughs> and uh, what the narrative says to us in Genesis 40, this is verse 22, Pharaoh hanged the chief baker, just as Joseph had explained to them. You know, he had interpreted their dreams. Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. He forgot him. 
You know what it's like to be left out? A group of friends goes out. They didn't include you. You wonder, what's wrong with me? Why don't they invite me to hang out with them? You know, that's where it usually stings the most, where you know, we can be religious and churchy and be like, oh, you know, I'm good, that's good. But then when a group of friends that we care about says, oh, whoops, we forgot to invite you to this birthday party, or just a few of us getting together for dinner at this person's house, and you're like, why, am, why was I not included? That hurts. But it's at moments like those we are potentially the most like Jesus. Isaiah 53 is a whole great section of Isaiah. It talks about Jesus. Um, he wasn't a good-looking dude, apparently, you know, is <laughs> uh, how Isaiah puts it. But isn't this interesting? Through all this preparation, through all this character preparation, what does Joseph maintain and what is God working on and what does God need to work on you and me? Intimacy with the Father. Through it all, God has been working on in the pain of the jail cell, the pain of being misunderstood, the pain of being betrayed, God has been working on intimacy. Boom, and just to bring it back out to 50,000 feet, what I believe God is looking for more than ever for the solutions in the Granite State, for solutions in this country, is people who are intimate with God. Think what you may about our current Speaker of the House, U.S. House of Representatives. I feel fairly confident this is a man who has decided that intimacy with God is a thing he would want to pursue. Listen to this refrain a little bit earlier in the narrative, uh, Genesis 39. This is when he was first thrown into prison. So Genesis 39, 21 to 23, it says, The Lord was with Joseph. Do you hear God saying that to you right now? Through the painful divorce, through the loss of, you know, your child is not walking with the Lord, through that misunderstanding at work, through the, oh my gosh, are we going to make the mortgage payment this month? But the Lord is with you. The Lord was with Joseph, extended kindness to him. He granted Joseph favor with the prison warden. The warden put all of the prisoners who were in the prison under Joseph's authority. And he was responsible for everything that was done there. The warden did not bother with anything under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him. And the Lord made everything that he did successful. You and I might not have the same exactly written about us, but this is where we want to be trending. In our pain, in our misunderstanding, in the difficult circumstances of our lives, are we trending towards God's with me and I'm with him? God wants to put favor on you. He wants to bless you. He wants to reveal himself even in the pain of your prison. Do we know the Lord's favor in the midst of our pain? Because if we miss God's character formation in these painful moments of our lives, we can potentially disqualify ourselves for the service that he wants to do. I'm convinced that God's political plan, if you will, or his plan for the government sphere, has everything to do with our personal paths with him. He's looking for people like you and me who are being formed with him that then he can launch into our service, into his service. And God may call you, run for library trustees. God may call you, run for town select person. He may call you to be a friend of that person who is running for state rep. I don't know. You have to respond to God. But what qualifies us for God's service is, are we submitting to this path of intimacy with him 
as the different trials of life happen. So, God's preparation. He's preparing you and me. He's always preparing us. And it's never too late. I just want you to know, if you've jumped off the track, you can always jump back on because he's just such a good God. He's been at this for a few millennia. He knows human nature pretty well, and he's really good. He's slow to anger, kind, compassionate, loving, forgiving. It's the resounding you know, um, refrain in the Old Testament and, of course, revealed in the New Testament in Jesus Christ. We've never seen a kindness or a love like this. No other entity in the universe produces love and kindness like Jesus. So if you are off the track, today's a day to get right back on. Just say, Lord, I'm here. I'm with you. Let's do this again. Last, last thing you said to me, let's review that, Lord. Let me get back on the track. Amen? So I'm going to say God's preparation. I'll say that one more time. God's preparation. God's preparation. Right, so God is preparing you. He's actively at work in your life. The circumstances of your life are not purely random. Uh, he's with you. He's your father. He wants to be intimate with you right in that prison. He wants to be intimate with you. Okay, now I want to talk about God's power. Everyone say God's power. Again, the big question is here, what are we expecting God to do in the government sphere? What can we expect him to do in the political sphere? Well, we can expect that he's preparing us by making us intimate with him. But another thing that I live in expectation for, and Pastor Nick kind of alluded to it, is for God's power to show up in ways and with people that I may not expect. Amen? I think you've heard this before from me, but uh, in this last year, I've mainly focused on our New Hampshire Senate, getting small groups of pastors to meet with every one of our senators. I hope by year's end, we will have gotten most of them. Some of that's out of my control, but I can tell you with only one senator so far refusing, we have met with New Hampshire's, we've met with, I think we're at 16 of the 24 senators, and we have had times in the word with them, only one refused. Uh, we mostly focused on a devotional out of Matthew 20, where Jesus talks about servant leadership. If you remember uh, um, James and um, John's mom, yeah, sons of Zebedee. James and John's mom says, hey, Jesus, can my kids be you know, up there at the top of the administration that you're about to bring in? And Jesus says, you don't know what you're asking for. Yep, they will be, but it's going to cost them a little bit. you know." And he says, the Son of Man didn't come to serve, but to be served. And for the purposes of making sure that I maintain a good, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, just So these senators trust me. I can't tell you all the things they shared. But what I can share with you is you would not believe who's open to God's word and who's not open to God's word on both sides of the aisle. But most of them really enjoyed the conversation on servant leadership. And a lot of lights went off. And what's so fun is, the reason why I like getting the shepherds of God's people, like Pastor Nick, together with the shepherds of government, like Joseph and Pharaoh, is because God shows up in those meetings. And because shepherds of God's people and shepherds of government have a lot of the same pressures, they have a lot of, a lot of the same pains. And so uh, when we talked about servant leadership, both could identify the places that were most challenging to be servant leaders. Remarkably, do you know what most of that common area was, they realized that the hardest place to be servant leaders is often in those relationships that were close to them, like family and friends. And so we just had you know, a great little, you'd be encouraged that heaven's breaking through. You know, the union leader's not going to cover it. MUR is not going to cover it. But heaven is breaking through in these little meetings with senators and pastors. I say that because I'm always believing that God's power wants to show up. 
God's power wants to show up. We can't always control it, but what I see from the Joseph narrative is that devotion to God and humility are things that help channel God's power. Are you with me? If we want to see more God's power in our lives, then I'll tell you it's humility and devotion. I'm not saying take on a yoke that isn't Jesus' yoke, but I just notice as I read the scriptures that humility and devotion really unleash the power of God in people's lives. So how did this work in Joseph? Well, as we started out, Joseph, as a 17-year-old young man, kind of like your 18-year-old children who are graduating high school, he knows everything. You know, they know everything. And um, they have all the answers and uh, whatnot. But it is so interesting to see that once Joseph gets activated with Pharaoh, we know that God has worked a few things through in his heart. Something between 17 and probably early 30. In those 13 years that we just went through very quickly here about God's preparation, something shifted in his heart. Listen to what shifted. This is Genesis 41, 16. Joseph has been pulled out of prison. You know, it was known, oh, there's this Hebrew that can interpret dreams. Okay, there's God's power. But notice the platform, if you will, of Joseph's soul that now God's power can really work through. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream, and no one can interpret it, but I've heard it said about you that you can hear a dream and interpret it. Listen to Joseph's worked through heart. I am not able to, Joseph answered Pharaoh. It is God. It is God who will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. In 13 years, what shifted in Joseph was, it's not about me, it's all about him. What a great way, really, to frame even our discipleship walk, learning that it's not about us, but it's all God's story. He loves us, he created us for fellowship and relationship with him, it's, but it's all about his glory. Are you with me? It's all about his glory. And once we get that worked through, then we are available for the power of God to work through us. Joseph clearly had some natural gifts of administration, I would say. You know, the, the, the whole reason he gets pegged as Pharaoh's number two here is because he has a vision of how we can administrate this thing. But clearly he has a supernatural gift as well, this interpretation of dreams. You know, that, that's God. I believe the same thing is true for you and me. You have some natural gifts. You know, the things that give you joy, they usually are great starting points for this is how God has gifted you, right? I, I'm really good at this. You know, with, usually there's areas in your life where you kind of put in one unit of effort and 10 units of good come out. That's gifting, really. There's no other way to explain it. And, and then there's the fact that I believe we all have access to the supernatural. I mean, the scripture from Genesis to Revelation is God doing things that only he can do. Really, God doing extraordinary things through very ordinary people. And I believe that for today. So even when we show up, say, Senator, do you mind if we do, you know, I've got a few pastors here from your district. Do you mind? You know, we tend to think that these scriptures have some truth in them. Can we look at these scriptures together? Very simple. We're in a cafe. It's crowded. It's noisy. But we open the word, and God shows up. There's something that shifts. And the, the place where it shifts the most is, again, only one senator has refused so far, but at the end of our time, may we, can I have some of these pastors say a prayer, a blessing over you? Yes. 
And then that's where the power of God shows up. Because when a pastor who is clean and worked through and has authority in the spirit because he's walking in the love and the power of God, just prays simple words, Father, bless this senator in their work. Something shifts. They don't have words for it. Eyes get moist. They don't know what's happening, but it's because all of a sudden they're experiencing the love of God in a way that they haven't experienced before. Because in the political world, they're not experiencing the love of God. They've got people on every side of the spectrum who are mad at them. You know, the ones on their side are saying they're not pure enough. The ones who are against them are saying you're the devil, you know, whichever side. As I can say this, as one, actually, as one senator said, she, she said, it's brutal out there. And whenever a pastor wants to visit with me or connect with me, I'm so thankful because it's just brutal out there. God's power shows up. Borrowing from the Daniel story, you know, early on in the Daniel narrative, we hear God gave, this is Daniel 1.17, you don't have to go there, but just God gave these four young men, so Daniel and his four friends, their uh, Persian names would be Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Sorry, Babylonian, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. God gave these four young men knowledge and understanding and every kind of literature and wisdom, so some natural gifts. Daniel also understood visions and dreams of every kind, some supernatural and then, of course, we know how Daniel and his friends set themselves apart for God. I would say the invitation is out there for you and me. How much of God do you want? I don't want to put a legal yoke on you. I just know that uh, from what I've noticed through history and in my own life, people who spend some time with Jesus in prayer and in the word tend to have more authority in other places. And so you receive from Jesus the invitation. You know, his yoke is easy. His burden is light, he says in Matthew 11. So whatever that invitation is for you today in terms of spending time with him in the word and prayer, that's what gives us the authority that we need. God's political plans involve your personal path. He's preparing you. He wants to push his power through you, if you will. He wants his power to be on you in every domain of your life. And it's humility, it's devotion to God that, that has us be able to access those things. Amen? So God's preparing us. God's wanting to move his power through us. Big picture here is God is wanting to move in our civic government. He's wanting to move in the political world. But it's actually our personal path that has everything to do with it. It's not that party out there. It's not that candidate out there. To the church of God, God is saying, it's you, people. It's us that he wants to work through. It's us that need to bring the kingdom A game to this whole political realm. Amen? Okay. Last thing is I want to talk about God's purposes. God's purposes. Everyone say God's purposes. So we can't necessarily change them, but we can certainly align with them. What a tremendous story we're in the midst of. You know, Jesus Christ came to earth 2,000 years ago. Uh, Some people would argue that Noah was about 4,000 years before that. I mean, so we're talking about 6,000 years of human history. You and I are little specks. We're little fleas. We're little, uh, quite little uh, compared to God's story on earth. But nonetheless, this whole record tells us that God loves connecting with individuals. He loves revealing himself to you and me. And what I want to suggest to you is... From the Joseph story, we know that God's purpose is he cared about the fact that the whole known world at that time was about to go into a famine. Yes, was God revealing himself through a specific family, 
to redeem all of humanity? Yes, that was his plan. His plan for redemption was, I'm going to visit Abraham. We're going to birth a nation. Through that nation, I'll birth my Savior. And then all the nations will come under my care. That is his plan. But even before that plan was executed, did God have no regard for other people? Not at all. He clearly cared that the whole world was going to be in a famine. And he raised Joseph up. You know, only God in his genius can work on so many levels at once. You know, he's setting up Joseph as a pre-type of Christ. He's working this whole forgiveness narrative in with Joseph, which is not the subject of today's message. And he's going to, along the way, he's going to make sure that people have food. Only God can work on all those levels. Only God can work in his redemptive genius. And I would suggest the same thing is wanting to happen today. God's purposes. He cares, he cares, he cares. Let me read a little bit from Genesis 41. This is Joseph explaining what is going to happen here with the dreams. So I'll I'll hop in the narrative. Genesis 41, this is 36. The food will be reserved for the land during the seven years of famine that will take place in the land of Egypt. Then the country will not be wiped out by the famine. So Joseph is saying, hey, Pharaoh, if you... You know, if you'll heed these words, guess what? We'll have enough food for when there is a famine. And then uh, skipping down the narrative for, to verse 54 to 57. And the seven years of famine began, began just as Joseph had said. There was famine in every land, but in the whole land of Egypt there was food. And when the whole land of Egypt was stricken with famine, the people cried out to Pharaoh for food. Pharaoh told all Egypt, go to Joseph, do whatever he tells you. Now the famine had spread across the whole region, so Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold grain to the Egyptians, for the famine was severe in the land of Egypt. And then every land came to Joseph in Egypt to buy grain, for the famine was severe in every land. God cares. On God's agenda, in his purposes, is caring for human suffering. He's got a lot of other things he's doing at the same time, but he cares about you and he cares about me. Does he care about abortion? Yes, he does. Is there a way for mom to thrive and for baby to live? Absolutely. It's the story of we've got so many crisis pregnancy centers in New Hampshire that are doing such an outstanding job, doing their best to make sure both mom and baby can thrive. Does God care about addiction? Yes, he does. Does he care about adoption foster care, a space that you are so gifted in and so present and I'm so grateful. Does he care about housing, immigration? Yes. Does he care about everything that's going on with human sexuality right now? He absolutely does. Does he care about what's happening in Israel with Hamas? Of course he does. Of course. Of course. Of course. Of course. I love how Jonah ends his narrative. He's a little bit, God, excuse me, is annoyed at Jonah because God rescued a terrible city, and Jonah's frustrated. He's like, you, sh-, you know, my inference is you should have judged them, God, but you gave them mercy. And this is how the whole narrative of Jonah ends. It says, God is saying to Jonah, may I not care about the great city of Nineveh, which has more than 120,000 people who cannot distinguish between their right and their left, as well as many animals. Does God care about the fact that our culture has lost its mind and cannot determine male and female? You bet he cares. You bet he cares about our schools. You bet he cares about the formation that we are giving our young people. Of course he cares. Of course. That's why we need you on the school board. God's purposes. 
He cares about the fact that our culture has lost its ability to distinguish its right hand from its left hand. His purposes. He wants us to bring truth with love. And of course, therein lies the rub. You know, it's where we're always asking God for help. We're always talking to one another. You know, what does that look like? Uh, Sometimes we err on the truth side and people aren't feeling the love. Sometimes we err on the love side and there's not clarity on what God's expectations are and somehow we got to hit it down the middle on the grace and truth. And that really just requires the power of God and the Holy Spirit. Micah 6.8, what has he told each of you? He has told each of you what is good and what is, what is, it, what is the Lord, sorry, what it is the Lord requires of you to act justly, love faithfulness, walk humbly with our God. So I believe that with each of these areas that we've shared about that are challenge areas for New Hampshire, challenge areas for the United States in this hour, or for that matter, challenge areas internationally. What's going on with Israel, Hamas, Ukraine, Russia? I believe that God very much wants to reveal his heart and his purposes through his people in each one of those places. The question is, are we worked through enough you know, will we get low enough? Are we walking in humility, in devotion enough, if you will? Remember, his yoke is easy, his burden is light. I'm not saying do more. I'm just saying let's submit more, perhaps. Are we submitted to him so that his heart comes out correctly? When we get aligned with God's purposes, we'll have his authority. God's political plans involve our personal paths. We must submit to the preparation that he's doing. We want to expect his power when we show up in courage. You know, courageously, you show up at that school board meeting. Courageously, you show up, you know, in the public square. Now, that can be an online place. In fact, mostly it is, for better or for worse right now. You show up in the public square and you, you know, Facebook conversations, grace and truth. When we show up, we have to believe for God's power to show up there. So we have his wisdom. And we want to believe that God is working his sovereign purposes right now. Okay, He is working his sovereign purposes. Let us not give up hope. You know, We are at times perplexed, like the Apostle Paul says, but we're not totally discouraged. God's working his purposes. We can believe that because he's good. So in conclusion, let me just share these few things. At times... We are called to play the John the Baptist role, right? John the Baptist called out immorality and culture at his risk of his own reputation. In fact, it literally cost him his head, right? And there's times for that. I'm not saying we should shy away from that. I know that some folks in the body will take the message that I'm giving right now and say, you're too soft. And I say, no, (laughs) preaching God's word. We do play the John the Baptist role. We do call balls and strikes. We do call out, we are the conscience of the state, as Martin Martin Luther King Jr. said, right? We're not the slave of the state. We're not the master of the state, the church, but the church is the conscience of the state. We should be that. 1 Timothy 3.15 says, the church of the living God is the pillar and the foundation of the truth. Okay, there's something about God has just created in our relationships, and as we steward this well, the body of Christ universal, we are a pillar and foundation of the truth. So we want to do our best to persuade the world from away from its immorality. What I'm looking at this coming spring, we're looking 
at the abortion issue. We're looking at end-of-life issues. Okay, there's going to be a whole conversation on uh, what care looks like for end-of-life and you know, should physicians help with suicide, that sort of thing. I guarantee you marijuana legalization is going to come down hard this coming spring. And these are all things we can talk about if you want to hang out uh, after lunch in Concord 101. I'll share more about that. My point is, in those places, I'm going to have some John the Baptist in me, right? I'm, we're going to call, this is God's best for humanity. This is how we thrive. It's not this. It's not that. God's big. We can have solutions that work in these areas. John the Baptist. <clears throat> but what I think the body of Christ doesn't hear enough of, and thus the message for today is, let's also believe for a Joseph role. What I mean is, everything I've just shared, let's believe for the Joseph role, which is we let God work us through, and because we let God work us through, we're available for his power. We can channel his purposes every place we show up. Whether it's the grocery store, it's at school, uh, wherever God has you, in your work, in your family, in your neighborhoods, in your domains, where you work and play and live, that's exactly where God wants to show up. As I mentioned in the beginning, it just happens to me that God has me show up in some New Hampshire state government things. And I just believe God to show up. If I was in any other domain, if I was in North Africa, I'd be doing the same thing. I'd be doing the exact same thing, actually. Honestly, I'd be doing the exact same thing. Just word. Pray, spirit, God, show up and make sure my heart's clean. Amen? That's how God's called us to live. So we want to be so anointed with God's presence that it just can't be resisted. And as we connect, oh, and, and I will say this finally. What's great about New Hampshire is you are uh, so able to connect relationally with the kings of New Hampshire. You know, our government is so, uh, so granular. You know, the fact that your representatives here are your neighbors, that is a gift from God. It's a gift uh, for us here in New Hampshire that we can connect relationally with them. And so I would encourage you, you know, everything that God's given you, move towards them. Even if you dislike their policy, move right towards them, create a relational space, and uh, see what God does there. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let me pray for you, and then let's respond together uh, to God's word through our worship time. <clears throat> Lord, thank you so much. Thank you that you have shared so many things in your word. Thank you that in the Joseph story, you have shared with us the fact that you care about us and that you meet us and that you desire intimacy with us even through the most painful places in our lives. And that it's actually right there, it's in those painful places that we get the authority that we need to operate in this world, including in the government sphere. God, let us be a people submitted to you, worked through by God. Let us find you. Let us find your favor, even in the midst of the deep, dark places. I pray, Holy Spirit, come on us with fresh power. Uh, Lord, we acknowledge that it is a great time to be alive because you are so wanting to break through. In a culture that's so divided, at war with itself, we're eating ourselves up, we're devouring one another, and it's right in that place that you want to show up with a third alternative, a kingdom way, which is a way of love and peace and truth and joy and all the fruit of the Spirit. So God, I pray in Jesus' name, anoint this body. And as Pastor Nick prayed earlier this morning, anoint all of those who name the name of Jesus in the North Country to be people who bring about your kingdom in every sphere you have them. We pray. We receive this. And I pray even as we go into worship right now, Holy Spirit, continue your little drip, drip of, oh, yeah, that's what I need to do with this person. I could speak that to that person. I should text this to that person. Holy Spirit, have your way with us. And have, let there be many little obediences that add up to big obediences here out of this body. We pray. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you as we get into worship right now.
Amen. Thanks, Neil. Appreciate that. Um, so it reminds me, I've heard recently, we're to be with God. Amen. We're to be with God, and then what we do flows out of that. Oftentimes we get that mixed up. We try to do, 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 but we've got to focus on being with God, which will then create the power and the work. So before we get into our worship time, got a couple of announcements I want to mention. What do we got up there? That's for there. That's for there. Okay, let's, what's the first thing? Oh, yeah, Concord 101. Neil's going to share with us after the second service, starting around 1 o'clock, Concord 101, more in depth about how we can get involved in our local politics. And you would be like, oh, I don't want to be, I don't want to run for anything. It's not all about running for stuff. It's about just getting those relationships, those connections, figuring out those places where we can uh, influence. It's a great presentation. He did it a couple of years ago. So I encourage you, if you hadn't registered, to, to come back for that. If you registered for it, we've got a little lunch that's provided um, for those who were registered for it. But anybody's welcome to come back one o'clock to hear that Concord 101 presentation. What else do we got there? Okay, the Christmas parade. So next Sunday after church, we will be assembling the parts for the float for our part in the Christmas parade. Please join us to help out and do this all together. Um, also, if you plan on being in the parade, please let Kathy Cody, she's coming to the second service, I believe. If you don't know Kathy, then you can contact the office as well. But if you want to take a part in the parade, um, then you can get on that team as well. All right, what else? We got here, but it's the holiday season. We got so much going on. Um, Thanksgiving outreach, which is our platter ministry to um, our local organizations, the schools, counseling offices, police, fire, uh, all emergency services. We send platters to all those places. And so um, Kathy as well, Kathy's like our holiday person. Uh, she's gathering a team together to, um, we need bakers. We need the drivers. We need people to assemble platters and um, you can get, Look for more information on that. That's coming up. Uh, let's see. It says next, please sign up. Okay, I'm looking at this, and I'm thinking off the top of my head what I'm supposed to say. Uh, there's a sign-up sheet, I guess, in the back. We can sign up for that, and we'll get that, get that going. Again, Kathy Cody, or get with the office if you need more information. Is there something else there? Oh, okay, you guys are great at giving. Appreciate your service in that. Well, let's go ahead and go to worship.
Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I'm surrendered now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I'm surrendered now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. And all my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. Again and again, 
I had some words to say, but they totally left my head. So may the Lord bless you. May he keep you. Let he let his light shine upon you. You guys have a great week. Hopefully we'll see you back for the Concord 101 starting at one o'clock, unless you're coming for the lunch. You're dismissed. Praise you again.